the curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you Hello everyone, so good to have you here today. And if you're watching online, we want to say welcome to you. Today's a good day to experience what God, God's beautiful, He has a wonderful and awesome plan for every one of us. And the Bible is His playbook. So we're going to tap into God's plans and we're going to learn from Him. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness and your faithfulness today. We honor you, we bless you, and we praise you. And we thank you, Lord, that at BCF today, you're going to do great and mighty things. And we just look to you, Lord, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's stand together and sing and worship God today. And I can hear the sound of praises rising. I can hear the sound of the enemy. Joy inside, the king is coming, the king. 
you've broken every chain that the enemy has put in generational lines represented in this house today. And at the sound of my voice, we declare every chain broken in the name of Jesus. We speak freedom over families. We speak freedom over bloodlines. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that the sins of the past are no more. But the victory of Jesus will remain. Hallelujah. We worship you in this place. Beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior, I know for sure. All of my days are held in your hands, crafted into your perfect plan. You gently call me into your presence.
place today, Lord. Oh, we worship the living God. Come on, just lift your hands. We surrender all over this place. And Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. yourself in the morning. Oh, our lives belong to you, Lord. You give us direction, Holy Spirit. Oh, we long to hear your voice. Oh, we listen to your voice today, Lord. Father, it is our will and our desire this morning to honor you. Lord, we surrender our minds, our will, and our emotion to you. We present our bodies to you as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you, which is our reasonable service and our spiritual act of worship. Oh, begin to just tell God how much you love him this morning. Begin to give him the high praise this morning. Oh Lord, we love you. We're connected to you, Lord. We give you the high praise in this place. Forget about who's around you. Just close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look into his eyes. Look into his glory. Behold his beauty. His magnificence. His majesty. His glory. His holiness. His perfection. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He never forces you to do anything. But our response to him, he's so good. He's so faithful. He is the absolute truth. He is love personified. He has risen from the grave and he has called you to himself. He's called you into a fellowship with him, a relationship like no other. If there's any area in your life that you withhold from God, that you don't turn over to God, do it right now. Make a decision in your heart. And commit that part of your life to him in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to your people here. (laughs) 
There's a sound of victory that has been sent to you. There is a sound of healing that has been sent to you. There is a sound of salvation that has been sent to you. I've sent it by my word. For by my word opens the door for you to have all that I promised. Grab a hold of my word. Don't let it go. Hallelujah. Do you hear the sound? Say, I have the victory. I am saved. I am healed. I am prosperous. I am wise. I am whole. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am accepted. do you want more because there's more amen you may have your seats thank you signature worship team what an awesome group of people anointed group amen well it's a good day in the lord amen every day is that way hallelujah we're going to speak the word today in our confession Hallelujah. Glory to God. Aren't you glad that you can speak the word? Amen. That is a privilege. Yes. Hallelujah. We're going to make our confession in faith because this is the word of God. Amen. Let's make our confession. The The Lord Lord is our strength, strength, might, and power. power. We We praise and exalt him. The creator of heaven and earth does not become tired or grow weary. If we are weary, God gives us strength and increases our power. As we wait on the Lord, we receive strength and our power is replenished. With the Lord's strength, we will run and not become weary, and we will walk and not grow tired. We will carry out the Lord's will. God's grace is sufficient for every challenge. And his power is perfected in us. We have Christ's power abiding in us. We boldly decree that we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We do all things right in his sight. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are ready for anything because we are infused with the Lord's power and might. The Lord is our rock and fortress. And he he rescues rescues us from trouble, and we trust in him. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises 
and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, BCF. Today is March 5th. Woohoo! Today, after service, we have our ladies' book club, and where we will talk about discovering your purpose. It's going to be awesome. So if you are able to, stay after service and join us. On Wednesday, March 22nd, we will have our guest speaker, Reverend Sushil Kumar, and it's going to be awesome. And so I encourage you to invite people and to come yourselves, too. Invite lots of people and experience the power of God, because I know it's going to show up. (laughs) It shows up frequently here. (laughs) Also, we have our Woven Conference. I am so excited for the Women's Conference. I mean, I'm excited every year, but it's going to be awesome. It's about healing and restoration And it is April 21st and 22nd, which is a Friday evening and Saturday. And our guest will be Pastor Patty Akui. So we have these cards that you can pass out to people and invite them to our women's conference. And you can sign up using the QR code that's on them um, on our website or in the bookstore as well. And, of course, Dr. Fiona will be there as well. All right. And then... Jumping backwards, this Saturday, I forget the date. I think it's March 11th. This Saturday is our youth breakfast. We have that the second Saturday of the month, and it's from 9 to 11, and we eat good. And God also shows up there as well. Um, And the theme for March for our youth is going to be about goodness. So you want to tune in, if you're able to, on our social media as well, and listen to what we have to say. Okay, what I learned is, this is so crazy, there is no definition for a hill versus a mountain. They are the exact same thing. They cannot distinguish, like, I even looked it up in the concordance, right, in the dictionary, hill and mountain. There's, like, no specific definition for what a mountain or a hill is. It's just a mound of dirt, like, (laughs) that's it. They have tried to define it with, like, elevation or steepness but like they can't really distinguish or come to an agreement on that which I think is hilarious so I looked it up in the concordance let me find what the definition was um and I was looking in the bible too for all the times it say like hills and mountains and you would think there would be a difference but there is not the only difference that I found is there is one place in the bible where it says a hill, like mountain, and it means peak, only one spot. And that is in Isaiah 5, chapter 1. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says, Now let me sing for my greatly beloved Lord a song of my beloved about his vineyard, his chosen people. My greatly beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile slope, the promised land Canaan. So, The very fertile slope, or the promised land, is the only place that they say actually like peak in the Bible, which we would think of as a mountain point or the highest point. And in the concordance, it says that it is protrudes like an elephant's tooth. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> I was like, that is a very interesting definition of a mountaintop. I was like, it protrudes. It's the highest possible point, okay? It's the only place in the Bible that it says peak, okay? Like mountain, hill, peak is what it actually means in this situation. Um, and so I got to thinking about, like, based on that verse, right, in Isaiah, like, we we are the vineyard, his chosen people, and that's where we're at. We are on the highest mountaintop. We are all the way at the top. That is where God placed us in the promised land, right? And like an elephant's tooth, we are an extension of the inside, right? We are an extension of Jesus and on the highest possible point. And the reason that they talk about hills and mountains in various areas a lot of times is those are always the best positions to be in because the enemy is the one that has to fight uphill like we already are at the top right so our enemies are way below us and they're on the ones that you know we're already at the top we are in that place of victory right so i just thought that was really cool so that is our announcements for today (laughs) yes Yes, our definition of mountain is victory. Isn't that awesome? All right. Hallelujah. Well, it is a good day. You're a good people and you're in a good place. And God is up to something good. Hallelujah. You know, we're living in a in a moment where people can be healed right where they are. Because wherever the word of God is preached, there's enough power to do whatever needs to be done in a person's life. Hallelujah. And uh, we're so grateful that you're here today. And those of you that may be watching this either now or whenever you do. And uh, hallelujah. You know, we're, we're a giving church, amen? amen? Because God is a giver. And so we pattern our lives after his giving. If you want to look for an example of giving in the Bible, just look to Christ. Amen? amen. Uh, thank God our God's a giver. Amen. And uh, he desires for us to be giving, givers too. Now here at VCF, we don't pass a container, but we do have two wooden containers there we call them our seed planters and uh, you can put your seed in there your tithes your offerings anytime during the service even when i'm preaching and if you are inspired to give yes put it in there amen and if you're watching online you can go to our website i just want to encourage you uh, in our giving you know god considers us to be stewards and um, we don't own anything because we recognize everything comes from god and he allows us to use things you know god doesn't mind you having things Right. Matter of fact, when you put him first, he'll add things to you. Amen. And uh, so giving is an expression of our thankfulness uh, to God that uh, and it comes out of a heart of worship that we recognize that everything we give already belongs to God. And giving simply amplifies what's already in a person's heart. All right. It's an amplification. The Bible encourages everyone who believes in Jesus as Lord to give. Amen? And uh, hallelujah. Giving affects your whole life. It, uh, it reveals motives. It demonstrates love. It requires trust. 
It is rewarded. It is connected to God. He notices it. He opens heavens for it. It takes faith and it causes God to bless you. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pronounce a blessing on your people and their giving, Father, and the gifts that they bring into your kingdom. Lord, it, was, it is with the utmost trust and faith in you. And uh, we consider it holy and sanctified. And we bless them, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, I'm blessed. Amen. Amen. All right. At this time, we want to uh, dismiss our kids for their kids' life. That's our kids living in faith every day. We like when the kids worship with us, but we dismiss them to their class. So kids, have a good class. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't just want you to have church this morning. I want you to have an encounter with God this morning. More than anything in this life, we need God. And how many know that we're living in the end times? And uh, we can see things happening on an accelerated level. But I want to encourage you this morning. And uh, I want to talk to you about great expectations. I'm not talking about the Charles Dickens book. But I'm talking about the expectations that God has for his people. They are his plans. They are his purposes. They are what he desires of his people. Amen. You know God desires some things of you and me. Hallelujah. You know God created you with an amazing plan in mind. He he knew about you before you were even formed in the womb. And he had this blueprint, this design for your life that he crafted. That he initiated. And some people, when they're born and they, and they journey through life, they don't ever connect with the plan that God had for them. But those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, that plan gets unveiled to you. Amen? It's, it's a great plan. And, you know, God, he has high standards. You ever know that God doesn't lower his standards for anyone? Amen? But he keeps them high. Why? Because he's a holy God. He's a good God. And, uh, you know, the first thing that God expects of us is he expects people to know his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants of us. He, he sent Jesus so that we could have a relationship. He saved us from sin. And then he expects us to grow. You know, being born again is one thing, but you're born. But you don't, God doesn't want you to stay a baby. He wants you to grow and develop in the knowledge of him. He wants you to find more and more things out about his kingdom, about his word, about his promises, about his nature, about his character, about his gifts, about what he desires. Amen? And uh, he wants us to apply his principles. And he wants us to practice them in everyday living. The Bible is the most practical book you will ever read. Because this is directly from the heart of God. This is God's word. The, the words that form this universe are right here on these pages. Amen? 
So God's got some expectations for us. And we're going to get into some of these. Amen? I had, I had found 10, but I'm not going to share 10 with you today. We'd have to do an expectation seminar. <laughs> so what is an expectation? You know, we all have expectations for different things, right? And uh, it's a hope. It's an eager anticipation. And it's a belief. Uh, we have an expected standard of conduct in different places. An expectation is to look forward and to await. It means to anticipate to something coming your way. It means to consider reasonable, due, or necessary. To uh, expect something is to demand something as a right or a duty. And the Bible word for expectation is wrapped up in the word hope. Hope. Hope is a powerful word. Hope expresses a cherished desire along with you, you have confident assurance of obtaining that which you've longed for. How many has ever longed for something? And how many have, have got some things that you've longed for? Right? But that doesn't mean you're done longing. Amen? Hallelujah. All right? Let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 40. Psalms, chapter 40. And let's look at verses 6 through 9. Psalm 40 and verses 6 through 9. Hallelujah. What does God expect of me? Let's make it personal. What does God expect of me? All right? Psalms 40 and verse 6, it says this. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me, I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. You know, when, we, when God expects us to delight in his will, amen? amen? Doing God's will is a good thing. God has a will for every one of us. In other words, he has a purpose. He has a reason for you being. And the psalmist, he said, I delight to know your will and your law is written in my heart. If your law, if God's law is written in your heart, you can take it with you wherever you go. You can practice it every day. Amen. God designed your heart as the best container and carrier for his word. Hallelujah. All right. And uh, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse uh, 5. And I want to ask you a question. Are you a shrub or a tree? Are you a shrub or a tree? Jeremiah chapter 17, starting with verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. See, God expects us to trust in him. 
And he's saying, cursed, if we're, if we're trusting in man's ideas or in man's ways or in, in man's things, we're going to be cursed. Why? Because man is limited. But there's someone who created man. Okay? Now notice this. So curses the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength. That we rely on our senses, our own experience, our own strength. Whose heart departs from the Lord. He shall be like a shrub in the desert. You'll be like a tumbleweed going to and fro. And shall not see when good comes. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not a shrub. But you are a tree. Okay, so what's the difference? A a shrub has no purpose. A shrub is just wandering in a barren, dry place. How many have ever seen a tumbleweed? They just roll and roll. They're the acrobatic plant, right? They just roll and roll and roll. The wind takes them wherever they go, right? They They just, you know, they're not really doing anything. Okay, but now look at verse 7. We are trees. Say, I'm a tree. Blessed is the man... Who trusts in the Lord? Notice the shrub trusts in man, but uh, the tree trusts in the Lord. Okay, where, your, where is your trust? And whose hope is, it, is the Lord, right? The, your expectation. Hope is expectation. It's a confident expectation. All right? Is your hope in the Lord? If, if your hope is in the Lord, say amen. Okay? For he shall be like a tree. Planted by the waters. You know, trees that are planted by waters, they grow rich, strong, and fruitful. Hallelujah. Notice he goes on. When, which spreads out its roots by the river. Woo, you know, God's got a river that flows from his throne. And will not fear when heat comes. Let the sun shine because I'm by the river. How many know we don't have to fear the economic times that are happening in our world today? We don't have to fear the inflation or the gas prices. Why? We have a Jehovah Jireh. We have a provider. He will take care of you. Say, God will take care of me. He'll get you the money no matter how high the prices go. He'll get you the money or he'll bring you the goods, whatever he needs to do to take care of you because that's what he does. God's not going to create so many children and not take care of them. Okay, so I will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. So many people were taken care of in a drought. Elijah, Joseph, the Israelites that went to Egypt, they were taken care of in a drought. And if God can take care of them, he can take care of you. All right. Nor will... uh, Cease from yielding fruit. God expects us to yield fruit our whole life. There's not a point when we, you can stop producing fruit when you get to heaven. (laughs) Amen. So if we're not there yet, let's produce some fruit. All right. So which one are you, a shrub or a tree? All right, you're a tree. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 
I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start with verse 20. You love the word this morning? Oh, I love the word. Because God's word is backed up by his power. Ephesians 4.20. He is... He talks about the differences between your life before Christ and your life in Christ. How many has experienced a different life in Christ than the one you had outside of Christ? Right? The kingdom is different than the world. Heaven is different than the earth, right? So, and in verse 20, he is encouraging us to continue in the things, okay? But you have not so learned Christ. You know, if you want to find out what God expects of you, there's a learning process involved. How many are still learning? That means you're still living. Don't stop learning. Okay? He's telling this group of believers, this church in Ephesus, you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him, And have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is not in anywhere else, but it's in Jesus. Amen. Amen? So if you want to find out what God expects of you, we have to learn some things. We have to hear some things. And we have to have uh, have been taught some things. Amen? And God created this institution called the church. That is God's learning center where we should be learning about the kingdom, okay? And uh, he says in verse uh, 22 that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. God expects us to undergo a continual renewal process. And he does that through the preaching, the teaching, the proclaiming of the word of God. And it's it's in that environment, it's in that atmosphere that we discover what God expects of us. Okay? What God expects of us. Hallelujah. Number one, God expects of us to listen to him. You know, he gave us two ears and one mouth. Double your listening. Amen? Now, you need to speak, too. But you can't just speak anything. you got to speak what you hear. And you should be hearing the Word of God because that's the only thing that's going to produce life. Amen? So God expects us to listen to Him. He has something to say. Psalm 81, verse 8. Psalm 81, verse 8. It says, hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you will listen to me. How many know that God always has something good to say? But it's not a matter of, is God speaking? It's a matter of, are we listening to what he's saying? You know, I'm amazed at the story of Elijah. He was a prophet of God. He was a Tishbite. Don't know what a Tishbite is, but they were residents of Gilead. 
right? And he spoke against the political rulership of his day, King Ahab, who was a wicked king who caused his country to get into Baal worship. He married a high priestess of the Baals called Jezebel. And the Bible describes him as the most wicked king up to that point. And there were some wicked ones. But Ahab was the most wicked one up to that point. And Elijah spoke to him the word of the Lord because he heard something. And and he said, it's not going to rain except at my word. Okay? So uh, then then God sent Elijah away. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to him saying. Everybody say the word said. See, Elijah did not have the Holy Spirit in him. So the word of the Lord had to come to him in a voice. And it told him to go eastward and go by the brook Cherith. And there you can drink water. And there I have commanded the ravens to feed you. You know, God will sustain you with some bird food. Amen. What got him into the place of provision, it was something that he heard. It was something that he heard with his ears. God's instruction for provision came by what God said. And it was up to Elijah to do what he was told to do. Right? When you're told, when you do what you're told to do, you're a good listener. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So God expects us to listen to him. Listening is part of communication. A good listener knows what has been communicated so that they can do what's been said. And the Bible talks about, he spoke to the churches in Revelation. He said, those who have ears to hear. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying. You know, the Holy Spirit has a voice. And we have to be constantly listening to him. Why? He's the only source of truth in a mixed up, messed up world of lies and deceit because the, en- the enemy is running this, nation, running this world, this world system. Okay? We have to have our ears in tune with the truth. All right? How many love the truth? You know, God gave us this truth. And, um, you know, Proverbs always talks about, you know, listening to God, attending to his sayings, inclining our ear to, you know, sometimes, why is it hard to listen to God? These are just some things that I wrote down. The Bible isn't relevant as the, or it isn't revered as the written word of God. You know, some people don't, they don't, they, th- they just think the Bible is a bunch of stories that were written by random people, but they're not. These are, this is God's word. And we have to elevate the Bible to God's word. We have to respect it. We have to honor it. Amen. If you have your Bible or device, just, just put it over your heart. Say, this is God's word. I love your word so much. It's the source of my life. 
It delivers me from trouble. And it leads me on the right path that I need to go. Yeah, we got to love the word. Amen. Sometimes people have a hard time listening because they grow impatient because God doesn't speak immediately. Oh, you mean I have to wait? You know, in today's society, how many people love to wait? You know, uh, if lines at Walmart aren't open and you have to stand in line, can we do it with cheer? (laughs) Sometimes it's questionable. But we are geared, especially with the advance of technology, we are geared to not wait for things. Right? My phone went to college and it became a smartphone. Right? I don't know what kind of phone I used to have before a smartphone. But um, instant communication. Okay? It's at our fingertips. Right? And uh, we're surrounded by the ease of uh, communication at our fingertips. So some people have a hard time because they are impatient because God waits. You know, sometimes God says things, but they don't come to pass tomorrow. How many ever experienced that? You know, sometimes you got to go through some things, right? And uh, but God expects us to listen. Okay. Um. Sometimes people can't distinguish between voices because they haven't developed their relationship enough to distinguish God's voice. How many know there's a lot of voices in this world? You know, when you're hungry, your stomach has a voice. How many ever heard their stomach talking to them? Right? But there are a lot of voices in this world. Which voice is God? How do I know what God's voice sounds like? Well, you, you, you learn to develop a recognition of someone's voice by spending time with them. And... uh Hallelujah. You know, we can spend time with God. You know, sometimes people don't hear God because uh, we approach God with expectations and we try to control how he speaks. God, you can only speak to me this way. Well, have you ever noticed God, there's no box in this world that, that God fits in too nicely. Right? And sometimes we think that God can only speak to me this way or that way. God's got multiple ways that he can speak to you, right? He can speak to you audibly. He can speak to you in a still small voice, through dreams, through visions, through people, through his word, through his Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of ways that God speaks to us. And uh, sometimes we don't hear what God is saying because our hearts are too cluttered. And uh, there's too much other things in there. You know, um, when something is cluttered, it's hard to find things. Right? You don't know where it is in the midst of clutter. But God's a God of order. Our heart can be cluttered with fear or anxiety uh, or bitterness or unbelief. You know, the Bible says don't have a heart of unbelief. Don't let it don't let it raise up. Right? So we got to keep our hearts clear. 
Because God speaks to the heart. He speaks to the inner man. He speaks on the inside. Amen? God is a master communicator. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? You know, listening is a spiritual muscle that the people of God need to develop. Hallelujah. And when we're listening, we're teachable. We're learning. You know, life is a journey. It's not just one destination. But you're going to encounter a lot of destinations in your journey of life. Amen? How are you going to get to where God wants you to be? How did I get to Palmyra? Did I just look on a map and play darts and say, ooh, that looks good? No, there was things that I went through, things that I experienced, that God told me to do this and do that. And and as I followed him, he led me on this journey. He led me on this path, and he got me to places where I needed to be. But I didn't get that way by accident. I got that way by listening. Amen? And God expects us to listen to him. What language does God speak? He speaks the word. He can speak every language, by the way, in the natural. All right? Go to Philippians chapter 4. Another thing that God expects us to do is he expects us to think. You mean we're supposed to think? Yes. God gave us a brain. God, Did you know that God is concerned about things that we think about? If he wasn't, why did he tell us what to think on? And what not to think on. Check this out. Um, (laughs) You know, God often answered people's thoughts. If he wasn't concerned about what we think, why did he answer their thoughts? You know, people would think things about Jesus. And he would answer, they'd be like, whoo. You know, the word of God, Hebrews 4.16 says, it's a discerner of thoughts. And intense of the heart. If God wasn't concerned about what we think, why is, why is he discerning our thoughts? Why? Thoughts lead to actions. You know how sin begins? Sin begins with a thought. The enemy can't make you do anything, but he can give you a thought, an idea, or a suggestion. And your permission with what he says gives him the right to come in and destroy Okay, so go to Philippians chapter 4, and uh, you probably think I'm going to go right to verse 6, but we're going to look, uh, we're going to start with verse 4. Hallelujah. Here are some things that God wants us to think about. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say Rejoice. If God repeats something, he wants you to think about it. We need to think about rejoicing. Amen? I came out of a religious background, which made me uptight. But through a process of things, God's loosened me up quite a bit. Amen? And uh, so... He is telling us to rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. When you, when you hear something twice, do you think about it more? 
We need to think about rejoicing. What does rejoicing look like? How can I rejoice more? God expects us to rejoice. He exp- Listen, we've got life. We should rejoice over life. Amen? We know the creator. We should rejoice over knowing the creator. We've got things to rejoice about. Even when bad things happen in life, we can rejoice. So, the Lord wants us to think about rejoicing. Now, Philippians 4.4, according to the New Living Translation, it says, always be full of the joy of the Lord. So he wants us to think about rejoicing. Rejoicing is just practicing joy. It's expressing joy. Right? What does joy look like? It looks like popcorn popping in the bag if the bag was clear. We can hear popcorn pop, but we can't see it pop. Right? But joy is pop, 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 pop. Joy is explosive. Joy is lively. Uh, joy is it, it's flowing. It's got a movement to it. Joy is exciting. Don't you get, when you like popcorn, I mean, I like popcorn. And when I hear that bag popping, it's exciting. I'm just waiting for the dinger to ding so I can dig into that bag of popcorn. But the popping is exciting. Amen? But Jesus is more exciting. Now, the English version says this of the same verse. May you always be joyful in your union with the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. What did he say? Always be what? Where does your joy come from? It comes from the Lord. So it's not based on what's happening here. It comes from above. Right? Okay. So uh, look at verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. You know, being gentle is being considerate. God wants us to think about being considerate. Jesus was gentle. And he had a lot of pressure come against him. But he exercised his gentleness. He was patient with people. Right? It's that list of love that he put in 1 Corinthians 13. Jesus demonstrated it. Jesus displayed it. Jesus lived it every day. I mean, you had to walk in love when you got uh, disciples that want to deny knowing you or doubt that you've risen from the dead or want to be sons of thunder or they're pressured to sit at your right hand or, you know, uh, all these things. But Jesus was gentle. He said, I am lowly. I'm gentle. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit, that Spirit of God is in us that helps us produce the fruit. Okay? Say, so God wants me to think. Okay? And uh, we have to recognize, uh, you know, verse 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. When you have a thought of something that makes you anxious, it excites your emotions and your feelings, you've got to put that on pause. You can't just let anxiety flow like a faucet that's been turned on. Be anxious for what? So if something comes in, and that, that word anxious has, is related to worry, which is part of fear. 
You have got to take an active stance against fear because this is, this is about how we think. Okay? Hallelujah. So he said, be anxious for nothing. But it, So in, instead of being anxious, what does it tell us to do? In everything, what? Pray. Instead of be anxious, pray. Well, you pray to God because he's your answer. He's your solution. He's your source, right? Say, God made me to think. All right? And then uh, he says, Let every, make your prayers with supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds. Why does why God's peace need to keep your mind? Because he's concerned about what we think. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right? So verse 8, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true. Everybody say true. Whatsoever things are noble, say noble. Whatsoever things are just, say just. Whatsoever things are pure, say pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, say lovely. And whatsoever things are of good report, say good report. He tells us these are the things we need to think on. What's the best report? That you could ever hear. The word of God. So God wants us to listen. And God wants us to think. He wants us to think about what we do. He wants us to think about what we say. He wants us to think about how we respond. Okay? And uh, thoughts lead to actions. Go to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 7 and verse 20. Jesus is talking here and he's talking about what defiles a man. He said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man. From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil what? Oh, my goodness. If we're thinking evil, we're going to be doing evil, and that's going to defile us. Because God expects us to think on good things, on right things. Amen? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts. You know, before someone steals something, a thought had to come to them, you should take that. Right? And they acted on that thought. And these things defile us. Uh, Covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. In the days of Noah, the Bible said that people's thoughts were evil and wicked all the time. And it got so bad that there were only eight righteous people on the planet. Say thoughts are important. What we think is important. You can't just let anything pass through your mind. 
You know, the Bible tells us um, in 2 Corinthians 4 to capture every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we're supposed to bring it into captivity. You can arrest thoughts. And you can cap, you can, you can, you have the right to remain silent. Right? If you say that, it will be used against you in God's court. If, if thoughts weren't important, why are we supposed to take bad ones captive? Right? You don't have to turn here, but Matthew 9, 4, and 5, Jesus knew their thoughts and said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Say, <laughs> so he knows my thoughts. So thoughts weren't important, but they are. Amen? God wants me to think. He wants me to think on good things. He wants me to use my mind for creativity for the kingdom. Glory to God. That's what he gave it to us for. Hallelujah. To think. You know, when, when we get born again, we don't put our thinking aside. Amen? Why? Because we still have to learn. And if we have to learn, then we have to think about what we're learning. So that we can apply it to our lives. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Glory to God. Number three. God expects us to draw near to him. You know, in a relationship, someone's got to make a move. Now, God already made the move with us. He already created the world, right? He already created us in his image, and he already sent his son Jesus to come to earth from heaven to save us from our sins, right? So now, he already made the first move. So God expects us to draw to him. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. You know, in a relationship uh, with God, God calls us, right? So I'm just going to use me for example. I was in darkness, all right? I was lost. I was separated from the life of God. Right. But then God called me. So I had to come out of darkness and I had to come into the light. How did I come into the light? I went to a church service. I heard the word of God and I invited Jesus to come into my heart and me inviting Jesus to come into my heart. That translated me out of that darkness and it brought me into his light. But now I'm a child of God. Now I'm a son of God. And now I got to live like God wants me to live because this is what he expects of me. Everybody say great expectations. Did you know that God expects some things of us? So I had to draw near. You know, why is it important to draw near? Because the farther you are away, the louder he has to speak. But the closer you are, the softer he needs to speak. Right? When you're close... You can hear a whisper. Amen? But you've got to be close to distinguish that voice. And God wants us to join there. James chapter 4, verse, we'll start with verse 7, and then we'll read verse 8. Therefore, submit to God. That means you come under his 
uh, rule. You come under his authority. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord, and I'm not. When you accept Jesus as Lord, that's what you're doing. You are, you are, you are saying, you are Lord, and I accept you as Lord. Therefore, you have permission to direct my life. You have permission to tell me what to do, where to go, how to live. Amen? That's what lords do. But he's a good Lord. He's not an overlord. He's not a dictator. He's a good Lord. He loves you. He gave you free will. He he wants you to respond out of love, not out of force. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And what's going to happen when you resist the devil? He'll flee from you, but you can't resist the devil if you're not submitted to God. If you haven't come under God's rulership, if you haven't come into his relationship, you can't effectively resist the devil. You've got to do it in the relationship of Christ, in the authority of Christ. Right? Verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. If you take one step to God, God will be like this. He'll pick you up in his arms, and he'll give you a big hug. Right? You take one step to God. When Jesus walked on the water while his disciples were in the boat and the storm appeared, right? And he was walking on the water and at first they thought it was a ghost. But Peter said, that's you, Lord, bid me come. And he said, come. What did Peter have to do? He had to take a step to Jesus. Jesus was right there. But when Peter started to fall, where was he? He was right there. He was, because Peter took a step out of that boat, right? Jesus when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. He's like, my daughter, my son, come on. He runs to meet you. It's like the prodigal son. Don't know how many years he was away. But that father was expecting him to come home. That father was believing for him to come home. That father was in prayer for him to come home. And finally... He got out of the darkness and he made the decision, I'm coming home. The father saw him from a distance and he ran to him. He embraced him. He welcomed him. He kissed him. He restored him. That's what God does when we take one step towards him. When we take one step of faith. Hallelujah. God wants us to draw near to him and he will draw near to you. He said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You know, we come to him through repentance. And you know what? The Bible says that he sends his goodness before you to lead you to repentance. That's how God, repentance is just a change of mind and a change of heart and a change of direction. How do we approach God? We approach him by relying, appreciating, and believing on his grace. How many are thankful for the grace of God? We approach God in humility, not exalting ourselves or our works. You know, sometimes people have approached God because they felt like they were due because they're so good. I'm so good, I'm so good, I'm so good, so you ought to do this for me. And God just smiles. It's not based on good works. It's based on faith. You embracing what he said. And you... Saying what he said back to him. That's faith. You know, God's, we enter into a relationship with God by faith, but then we've got to live by the same faith that we entered into the relationship with. Faith goes on. Faith is not just a once and done deal. Faith is a continual exchange 
with God every day. Hallelujah. We approach God by submitting to his authority. We approach God by resisting the devil. When you say no to the devil and you say yes to God, God will take that yes. Right? And he'll start working on your behalf. Amen? Approach God with repentance, receiving forgiveness, and a pure heart. Say, I'm forgiven. You know, God already dispersed his forgiveness. You already are, for, are forgiven. Amen? But sometimes we just got to receive the forgiveness that's already offered to us. We got to approach God without judging others. You know, your relationship with God is not based on my relationship with God. You can't come to God like I come to God. Why? Because we're different. We have a different relationship. We're different people. Right? Different personalities. You come to God like you, and I'll come to God like me. Don't try to be anybody else, because you'll be second best. Just be who you are. God already knows who you are anyway. He made you in his image. He said, you're beautiful. You're handsome. This is what God thinks of you. But we've got to draw near to him. You know, look at verse 6 of James same chapter. He gives more grace to the humble. He resists the proud. See, a proud person is not going to draw near to God because they're going to rely on themselves. They're going to rely on their own merits, their own strength, their own ability, because it's all about me, 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 I, 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 because that's how you spell pride, P-R capital I-I-D. But what, what happens when you're proud? God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. A humble person is someone who puts their entire trust in God. You know, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was not only a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. He had tax collectors working for him. He was a head IRS agent. And um, as an IRS agent in that day, he was greedy, he was covetous, he was deceitful. Because they were responsible for collecting taxes for Rome. No one hated it. Everybody hated them because the Jews hated them because they were collecting taxes for Rome. And people hated them because they would ask more than what Rome required because anything above what Rome required, they'd put in their pockets. Except one day, Zacchaeus was awestruck by Jesus. And he heard that Jesus was walking through his town at a particular place. At a particular place, and Zacchaeus he went to this tree because he was a short man. He climbed up the tree so that he could see Jesus. They were having a Jesus parade that day, and he was waiting for Jesus just so that he could see him, just so that he could behold him. And Jesus walked by, and there's Zacchaeus up in the tree. He's, he's got excitement on his face. And, and Jesus looked at Zacchaeus. He said, today I'm going to have lunch with you. Oh, Jesus is coming over for dinner. What did Zacchaeus do? He said, if I have wronged anybody, I will give them back four times. He had an instant change of heart. Why? Because he drew near to Jesus. And drew, Jesus drew near to him. Amen. Say, God wants me to draw. And if you're an artist, he wants you to draw too or paint whatever you're into. Right? 
You know, God told Moses, don't draw to this place with your shoes on. Take your shoes off. Why? Because the place where you're standing is holy ground. You know, there's a protocol when we come to God. Amen? Isaiah 29, verse 13. You can put that scripture up. Isaiah 29, verse 13. This is a false drawing. It said, these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. They're a shrub. (laughs) They're not a tree. You know, people can act like they're drawing to God by going through the motions. But you know what? Motions don't impress God, but your heart does. And if you're doing your motions out of a a right heart, that's great, right? But God can see through the motions. He can see through the smoke. He knows the heart. He knows the reality. He knows the motive. He can can read between the lines. Why? Because his word is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. So these people were drawing with their lips, but their mouth and their heart were disconnected. And you know when your mouth Heart and disconnected, you can't operate in faith. Because you need your mouth and heart to be in agreement, to operate in faith. Amen? And then finally, we sang about it this morning, God wants you to know him. God is so passionate about you knowing him. He said this is eternal life, that they know the one true God. Go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, the gospel of John chapter 17. And I want you to see this here. Say, God wants me to think. God, God wants me to draw near. God wants me to know him. These are things that God expects of me. Hallelujah. You believe that's true? And God wants me to listen to him. Amen. All right. John 17. Verse 3, this is Jesus talking here. This is an expert witness. He knows what he's talking about. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. But this is eternal life. I thought eternal life was about going to church. No, but going to church is a part of eternal life is about knowing him. Amen? Knowing him in a close, intimate, personal way. The gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus came from heaven. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died a tragic, sacrificial death on the cross. He rose again from the dead on the third day, and he's in heaven now. And that is the gospel. And when you accept him, then you get to know him. You can know things about him, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he's into. Amen? It's a relationship with God. God wants me to know him. This is eternal life. That you know him. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. I know people in high places. How about you? 
I'm, say, I'm connected well. I'm, we are connected with the creator. Did you know that as a believer, you can go into the throne room anytime, anyplace, anywhere that you feel like it? Because God has an open door policy for you. And he'll always say, come on in. He'll never say, stay out. Amen? We can approach the throne of grace boldly based on what Jesus Christ has done for us. Okay? So we got to know God. We got to know Jesus. We got to know his spirit. We got to know his truth. We got to know his grace. We got to know his love. There's so many things to know about God. He is a fascinating person. He is the most fascinating person. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-present. He is God, and we can know him. We can sit on his lap and say, Daddy. That's how well we can know God. Can you imagine being a Hindu and trying to get to know three to four or five million gods, how many ever there are? You'll never get to know them. I got three million likes on my Facebook today. No. (laughs) We can know the God. The one who was in the beginning, who was and is and is to come, who always is the Alpha and the Omega. We can know him. That's so powerful. God wants us to know him. Everything he did was so that we could know him. Proverbs 2.5. Proverbs 2.5. It says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Everybody say the knowledge of God. The textbook to knowing God is the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. God's primary way how he reveals himself to us is the Bible. That's why it's so important to read the Bible. It's so important to read it every day. Why? It's spiritual food. It's necessary for your spiritual development. The more you read the word and, and, and value it, the easier it is to hear God's voice. Go to John chapter 8. Gospel of John, chapter 8. This is a powerful statement. Hallelujah. Look at verse 30. John, chapter 8, verse 30. And he spoke these words. Many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So what does a disciple have to do? Abide in the word, right? And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How many want to be, how many need to be free today? It comes with you knowing the truth. What is the truth? First of all, God wants you free. Second of all, God can make you free. Third of all, you can be free indeed right now in this moment. Amen? God is a, he is a, uh, he's a freedom, I don't want to say he's a freedom fighter, but he's a, he's a freedom originator. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God knows what it means to be free. He has never been confined. He has never been hindered. He has never been chained. 
He, he has been free and he wants us free. He wants you free from pain. He wants you free from harm. He wants you free from oppression. He wants you free from abuse. He wants you free from sickness. He wants you free from being put down. He wants you free. He wants his people free. He wants his church free. He wants you financially free. God's going to make you free today. You came here to be free. You're going to leave free. Because in here, chains fall off. They can't stay. Locks can't stay locked. Why? We have the keys. Amen? So we can know him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Go here. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, and I'm almost done. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. What is God thinking? You should know you have his mind. You have his word. And if you have his word, you have his heart. If you have his Holy Spirit, you have his mind. So you have his mind and you have his heart. So you can know what God is thinking. You can know the mind of Christ. What is God thinking? He is thinking right now how he can make you free. Free from habits. You know, there are some habits that just aren't good. But God can make you free. Hallelujah. The Bible says we can know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we can know the love of Christ. Whoa. You can know the grace? You can know the love? Look at this. I'm just going to give you the reference. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Ephesians 3.19, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Did you, you can know something that passes knowledge. How do you know something that passes knowledge? You get revelation. Why? Because you know the big guy. His name is J-E-S-U-S. Amen? All right, we're going to pray for people to be free today. But before we do, we want to pray for the family of Dottie, Lenny, Cookie, Priscilla, right? They're... And Trina and Billy and Bennett, their youngest sister, Dee, went home to be with the Lord on Friday in a, in a sudden thing. You know, but I tell you what, God gave her a wonderful year that she had. She was healed. She started going to church. I, saw, I would watch her raise her hands. She loved Jesus. Amen. And I don't even think she had the sting of death. But she, she, was, she went to be with Jesus on Friday. I want you to pray for the family. Amen. Keep them in prayers. Hallelujah. You know, because we're a family. And when one family member hurts, we all hurt. Amen. You know, yeah, we know where she is, but the loss of that relationship. You know, and there, there's grief and sorrow with that. But thank God we have a comforter. Amen. He comforts us in all of our troubles. But those of you that raised hands for being free today. You need to come up here so that you can gain your freedom today. How do you get free? You know the truth. Amen? I've been giving you the truth of God's word. So freedom has already been working. So if you need to be free, it doesn't matter what you need to be free from. 
God's power can make you free. Amen? How many believe that the Spirit of the Lord is here? And where he is, there's liberty. And there's true freedom. Hallelujah. True freedom. So if you need to be free today, I'm going to invite you to do something radical. Come up front. And I want you to come up receiving 